0: Well, good morning once again. If you have your Bibles, have you turn to Ephesians chapter 1 once again. And uh, may I just say what a blessing it is uh, to be back with you here again. And uh, just uh, it's nice when you can walk around campus and, and say uh, good morning and hello to somebody that actually smile and say it back. Uh, that's not the case in New England typically. Uh, you ever notice when you're trying to say hi to people out in public, they kind of just look away from you? you know, I, I don't know what that is. I like looking at people. I've actually done this a few times. I've actually stepped in front of people and said, hi, good morning. And they're just kind of like, you're just weird. And uh, we have to learn to just kind of put yourself out there sometimes and uh, just enjoy getting to meet people and trying to engage with people. And I know I'm speaking to college students, and uh, this morning I was uh, speaking to one young man that's been pulling uh, all-nighters, trying to get his projects ready. And so I know that some of you have got to be just exhausted. I remember it well. I worked a physical full-time job when I was in college for my undergraduate. And, uh, and I mean this honestly, probably averaged three or four hours of sleep a night and was a walking zombie. Uh, and if you ask me what I learned in college, I have no idea. Uh, but I made it through and, uh, and just kept learning as I went along. So I do understand how some of you feel. Some of you in uh, are more technical type classes and uh, just stick it out. This is a season of your life Uh, get the rest you need, be in good health, Uh, do some exercising, apply yourself to your studies, make some good friends. You will never regret making good friends while you're here. And even friends with some of the staff and faculty, Uh, they will be lifelong uh, investors in you. And I can testify to that, having four of our sons who have uh, attended and graduated from here, different programs, and to seeing uh, how well they're doing uh, in their career fields now, and uh, I'd say there's a Uh, amazing opportunity that you have and resources other than just what you're being taught in the books from tapping into those around you uh, that'll help develop you and to train you for the real world. Because all of you know, I believe that this is a temporary place for you. Uh, Some of you might stay here permanently on staff whatnot. Some of you are just chomping at the bit to get out of here, whether you're going into missions or ministry or if you're going into a career field. Uh, One of the things that uh, we have been blessed with in our community such a transient community with the military. Uh, when you have believers that move into the area and they choose to come and be a part of your church, uh, to see them engage uh, in their faith in their career fields, in the military, in different places, and they actually live for Christ even though they're working in the secular realm. And uh, they do it with tact, they do it with grace, uh, but you see the fruit from their labor spiritually while they're laboring to get a paycheck in some of these career fields, and I would just challenge you. I worked the secular field for many years, even starting our church in Connecticut, three years full-time, up to about eight years part-time, and then just odd jobs here and there just to make ends meet. Uh, it's just part of life, and, uh, and I would say, uh, embrace what you have right now in front of you. Uh, you've got a lot of people here that just love you and are investing in, in you, even though at times you feel like it's, it's not fun, uh, stick it out and, and work, work to your best ability. I want to speak to you today, kind of alluded to it yesterday, but our spiritual blessings in Christ from Ephesians chapter number 1, but I want to start with an illustration because if you know anything about Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14, in the Greek it's actually a run-on sentence in a sense, it's just a… Paul is just uh, talking and he's just just excited and just kind of just running right through uh, these uh, blessings that are found in Christ. Before I get to this passage, let me just start with an illustration. Uh, our son Jake, who uh, graduated from here several years ago now, uh, was in our backyard one day, and he came running into the house uh, to find his mother, and he comes in exasperated. I think he might have been, I'm not sure, Bonnie, maybe five, six, three years old. You holding up a three? Okay, three years old. I didn't realize he was that young. Uh, and so anyways, he comes in. How many remember the show "Boomafoo?" that was on TV. The Krat Brothers, anybody? Okay, a few of you that are honest about what you watched when you were younger. And uh, that was a fun show. I got to watch a couple of those with the boys. And, and uh, so they would talk about animals and they would go out on the adventure. I used to know the tune to the song going into the closet and the closet, all the stuff fell down on top of them. And they would go out the door to go on their adventure. So anyways, in one of those shows, an animal showed up on the screen. And lo and behold, Jake was in our backyard and he comes running in trying to find mom exhausted, just out of breath, mom, mom. And he's just, he's just trying to get this out. He can't get it out fully. He's just, mom, mom, outside, outside. And he just says, "Zaboomafu!" Now, moms are amazing. We know they have eyes in the back of their head. We know they're psychic in so many weird ways and under the but she understood what he was talking about. She said, a peacock? And he said, yes! I think like, in Mystic, Connecticut, a peacock in our backyard, really? And sure enough, there was a peacock in our backyard. We found out a few days later that a farm that housed uh, exotic animals uh, had a cage open and peacocks got out. And one of them ended up miles away in our backyard. And, uh, and so just his exasperation trying to explain what was going on is, is my best way of explaining to you the enthusiasm, the excitement in which you read verses 4 through 14 here. Paul is so excited to express what we have found in Christ that it's similar to my son trying to get out what's in the backyard, this amazing creature he saw on TV that's now in our backyard. And so, if you look, would, permit me to read verses 3 through 14 here in our text, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning of verse number 3. in whom we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure that hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him in whom we have also obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in christ in whom also trusted after that you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed. you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise which is the earnest of our our inheritance until the redemption of that purchased possession under the praise of his glory i don't know if paul said it exactly that way some say because paul was in prison at this time this is one of the prison epistles That perhaps he had a scribe writing this, and if the scribe was writing this, I'm sure he was as feverishly writing as Paul is just waxing eloquent. As he receives this information from the Holy Spirit, he's just talking about all the things, all the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Some of you may be familiar with this, but if Paul, we assume, was under house arrest at this time, and he had some freedoms, but not all the freedoms. He, was, he appealed to Caesar, and if we know at that time Nero was the Caesar. How would you like to appeal to a guy like that? Not a place I'd want to be at waiting for him. One of the things you need to understand is that it was a, usually a low on the, uh, um, I say totem pole, I'm not sure that makes sense anymore, but a lower-ranked officer, a lower-ranked guard who would be assigned to make sure that the prisoner appears before the Caesar when he calls. And I heard some reports and read some articles on this that within an hour of the Caesar saying, I will see this prisoner now, they had to be there or else under the threat of death, not only the prisoner, but also the prison guard. You remember the prison guard that after the earthquake in, in uh, Philippi was going to kill himself because he was fearful that the prisoners had escaped? So you can imagine for the Roman soldiers, it a common thing that if you lost a prisoner, that your life was going to be taken on behalf of that prisoner as well. And so here we have a guard who is chained to the Apostle Paul, most likely a looser fetter chain, but he was a chain to the Apostle Paul, and, and Paul is uh, having conversations. We know he had visitors and people coming back and forth to see Paul while he's a prisoner. And yet, whatever guard was assigned to him at times was hearing these conversations, and there's no doubt if you knew the Apostle Paul, I'm sure he would be witnessing and talking about what he has in Christ. And so we understand that we are witnesses all these many, many years later by reading what the Apostle Paul recorded for us and of course under the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit of God. And What a blessing that today that we can read and kind of understand the history, what was going on in that particular time. But with that, Paul is talking about the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ, the same spiritual blessings that you and I have access to today, right now. One of the ways we consider this as... Christians in our day and, day and age, if you were given, perhaps by inheritance, millions or billions of dollars, and you had total access to it, but you refused to dip into it for whatever reason you had in your mind, and you choose not to go through the process of taking out the withdrawal from that bank account, even though you were in desperate need of finances… That is what it's like for us as Christians not to tap into and understand what is available to us in Christ because of what he has done on our behalf. The beauty of being a born-again believer, the beauty of being redeemed, the beauty of being saved, delivered from our sin debt, you have total access now to everything that is in Christ Jesus. He is not someone we can just play with or placate to say, here, I need this now. No, we're talking about spiritual blessings. Often in the scriptures, differentiated from material blessings. Sometimes they coincide, but majority of the time, the spiritual blessings are different than the material blessings. I gave you a quote yesterday. It's a quote that I'm saying every week to our church for a period of time, and when one is confident in their position in Christ, they will be committed to their practice in love. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians talks about our position in Christ. The second three, more so, talks about our practice and in particular in love we practice these things because of what Christ has done for us and demonstrating that love to others as Jesus said that how will people know that you are my disciples when we demonstrate love towards one another that is a key mark of a true believer and that is something we can only fake for a short time your walk with god is imperative to your spiritual uh, 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 demonstration of Christ in you. Let's go back to verse number three here for the sake of time and understanding what is taking place. Verse number three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. The first thing I want you to notice here in verse number three, blessed be God and uh, the God, our, our God and Father. Here, the word blessed, as we look at this, actually has the idea of praising God, praising God. And I asked myself as I study this portion of Scripture many times over the years, when was the last time I took time to actually bless God? And then I asked myself, how do I actually go about blessing God? You ever thought about that? We often think about blessing as, come on, Lord, here I am. I mean, I got saved after all, one of your children, bless me now with this answer prayer. Bless me now with a good day. And we always think of blessings as something that's one way from God to us. But this text actually shows us something different. We are to bless God. It says, praise be to God. How do we praise God? How do we bless God? and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And so, in essence, what it has given us an insight here is that we are to praise God for what He has allowed us to be recipients of. And again, when you understand your position in Christ, it is is so helpful in us then being committed to how we practice this Christian life, not as a drudgery but as a blessing to us that we actually get to be a part of something so awesome. That you and I right now are part of an age that God has planned from before the foundation of the world that you would be born in this time and have an opportunity to serve Him during this time. Whether in the secular world or in the ministerial world, God has you here for this time for a purpose. And so how do we bless God? Well, you can bless God verbally. Every morning when I get up, I thank the Lord for just allowing me to have a, a night rest. Whether it's a good night rest or a bad night rest, I just thank the Lord for letting me have a, a, a few winks of rest. This morning I was up at 4 a.m. and I woke up praying and, and just thanking God for his goodness. And I prayed for some people that are in some real difficult times right now. And then I started praying for you. So Lord, I don't know the stories behind every student or faculty member here. I don't know what they need to hear today, but you do. And I kind of had set what I was going to, to preach and everything, but... Do you realize that the Lord Jesus Christ knows you intimately? He knows your need. None of us, as pastors, as ministry leaders, as staff members, we we don't know. We have our own issues as well. We're frail people trying to help frail people. But it is the Spirit of God that knows your need and can work in you and can bless you. But God says, hey, why don't you consider this? The Apostle Paul says, I want you to consider this. When's the last time you blessed God? And so, how do we bless God? We bless God verbally. Praise Him. Thank Him. When's the last time you thanked Him for your salvation? Understanding what's all contained in that. If you really sat down and just took time to think about what's involved in your salvation alone, you'd have so much to thank God about just praise Him for what He's delivered you from and what He's given to you. Another way that you can praise God is not only verbally, but by action. Live for Him. Demonstrate your love for Him by action, by doing what you know is right in the eyes of God. Some of you, no doubt, in this room, are struggling with sins that you would want nobody to know about. Some of you might be struggling with sins that you do. Somebody else here does know what you're dealing with. Do you realize that God is there for you in those struggles? I can remember at 16 when God got a hold of my heart. I actually was so frustrated in the sinfulness of my life and trying to be a good person and try to do what was right in the eyes of God. I got to the point where I said, "God, I don't want free will. Just make me a robot." and I was sincere and I was serious. I was just like, I don't want to sin this way anymore. I don't want my thoughts that I have that I programmed into my my brain. I don't want these anymore. Please just take it away from me. And I realized God, God would not do that that way. But my obedience and my desire to honor Him was a demonstration of my love and commitment to Him. And I had to learn that. I had to learn that I had to choose to demonstrate my love to Christ, to bless Him by my actions. And that's what this verse here, the Apostle Paul is speaking to. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. These blessings that he speaks of here are associated with our salvation and spiritual life. The amount of spiritual blessings also is something to note. How many spiritual blessings he says you have access to in Christ? All. That list may be way more than even what's here in our text, but he's focusing on some key things dealing with our position and what he's allowing us to understand and know about our position in Christ, but also has future implications. It's not just for the momentary salvation. I've met many people that have prayed a prayer, saying that, yes, I, I prayed the prayer of salvation, but you see absolutely no change in their life. Then I've seen other people pray a prayer and then actually have time where they've actually walked with God and demonstrated Christ-likeness, Christ, Christ-likeness. And we understand that as someone who is truly born again, that they will exemplify fruit from walking with Christ, from being in the Spirit of God. And so we notice also then with these location of these blessings, from whence do they flow? Well, they flow from heaven, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Where is Christ after the ascension? He is in heaven, seating at the right hand of the Father in a place of honor. He did everything necessary to, to fulfill the plan of God that was set forth to bring salvation, to bring the, the, the gift to those who would receive it. And now in heaven He says, I'm here and all the blessings that are found in me are available to you. And We see that these blessings will flow from heaven downward. In essence, we have the privilege of bringing a little bit of heaven down to this earth by demonstrating Christ. Warren Worsby stated, the Christian really operates in two spheres, the human and the divine, the visible and the invisible. How cool is it that God has allowed you, who put your faith and trust in Christ for salvation, He has allowed you now to demonstrate true spirituality to a a darkened world, even to other Christians. We sharpen each other, we help each other, even in our our, our downtimes, we're there to encourage one another, to help each other, but then to the outside world where there is a witness to them. And I can tell you many times in my Christian life, I have not been a good witness to even the unsaved world. But we must understand that these are the part of the initial understanding of these blessings. So very quickly, let me just give you some understanding about these blessings. We see here also in this text a wonderful uh, depiction of the truth that is found here. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all actively involved in this understanding of our redemption in Christ. And so these spiritual blessings from verses uh, 3 through 14, and give us some insight into the preciousness of what you have received in Christ. And so notice here, first of all, the spiritual blessings from God the Father, verses 4 through 6. What is the role of the Father in salvation? Well, according to this, He's the initiator. In verses then 7 through 12, we'll see that Christ Himself is the means and then we'll look at verses 13 and 14. And verses 13 and 14, we see that the Holy Spirit of God is the guarantor of your salvation. This is a wonderful, wonderful portion of Scripture that gives you the understanding of what your position is in Jesus Christ. To give you the confidence you need to live a life that honors Him. Why? Because you have access to all the spiritual blessings that are in Christ Jesus, who is seated in heaven, and He is willing to allow you to experience these things and this knowledge in your own life. So notice what it says here very quickly in verse number four. According to he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The first thing we notice that we are chosen in Christ and it doesn't just stop there. To be holy and blameless. This speaks both of your position but it also speaks of how we ought to then live. When you trusted Christ your Savior, I think you know this, and I kind of hit on it yesterday, but now Christ sees, uh, now God sees Christ's righteousness in you, not your righteousness, not my righteousness. We know our righteousness as filthy rags, as good as we could be, it is never good enough. I deal with this living in a Catholic community, growing up, born and raised Catholic. We never had hope of eternal life. It was always what else could I do to get God to accept me. What next thing could I do? What next prayer could I pray? What other thing would God finally, and if not, well, then the priest will be at the end to, to pray over us. And then he would say, As in essence, we hope they're in heaven. What a, what a way to live. Never assured. Here, the Apostle Paul giving us insight and understanding that you are absolutely accepted in, in, in God's eyes. And here the Father is the initiator. You're chosen to be holy and blameless, and that is how He expected us. This, in essence, if you think back, when God chose out the nation of Israel, did He not set them apart? Why? Because they were the largest uh, uh, tribe at that time? Because they were so good-looking, they were so handsome, they were so wonderful? No, He says, you really, in essence, you're nothing. But I've chosen you, And that doesn't mean that they were all saved. He chose them out to be a light to the world. They did not do a good job at it. And I would say many of us as Christians don't do a good job at being a light to the world as God has called us as well. I could spend a lot of time here, but for the sake of time, let me move on. The fact, though, that you should understand this you are chosen to be a representative of Christ as holy and blameless to this lost world. How are we doing? How are we doing as Christians? shame on me there'd be times you saw me in my christian life you would say there's no way that guy is a christian and god had to work some things out of me don't keep fighting keep praying keep seeking counsel and advice keep spending time in prayer asking god to work on your heart he will do so the second thing we see here is that it says that we are predestined to adoption I know I don't have time to dig into this, but it's very interesting that uh, this is obviously being chosen or elected and then being predestined is something of great debate today. Don't don't let these things uh, mess with your mind. Really look at it in the simple form that it is. We don't fully understand the mind or heart of God, but the idea of being predestined, I think Worsby says it very well. He said, the word as it is used in the Bible primarily refers to what God's uh, does for save people. Election seems to refer to people, pre- while predestination refers to purposes. Now read verse number five with me. Having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. So God said that those who would get saved, He's going to predestine them to the adoption. This is one of those spiritual blessings. The understanding that Paul had of adoption, Paul became a Roman citizen At birth, somehow his family being Jews were allowed to become Roman citizens. Do you know what the hope of the Roman soldiers and most likely the one that was chained to the Apostle Paul was? Most of these soldiers, these lower-ranked soldiers, were in that position because Rome went and conquered a, a country and said, you have one of two choices, die as a soldier or come and serve under Rome. And so they would go and serve under Rome, and while they went and served under Rome, one of the hopes that they would have was if they could live long enough, 25 years in, they would be granted to become citizens. A piece of land would be given to them. The other was if they could be adopted, they would be full-blown adult children to a Roman citizen, meaning they actually had more authority than the household had. And usually that was because the father did not have sons of his own to take over, and so he would look for someone that could be adopted to take over for the family. So he wouldn't lose his name and his, his, his uh, wealth and his, his family uh, uh, fortune, if you would. And so the Apostle Paul speaking, I don't know if this was on the Apostle Paul mind, knowing he had an audience with someone who knew that the only hope they had was if a father of the Rome would choose a, a man to become a son that's pretty cool if you think about it. And that they would be predestined to adoption. They would have all the rights as a son. This is another one of these blessings, and I realize that in the, for the sake of time, I must rush through this. But I want you to notice here quickly then, these are the blessings that we, we have in Christ. We are chosen, we are predestined, we are accepted in Christ. Verse number six Verses 7 through 12, I said, we have the spiritual blessings from God the Son, the role of Jesus Christ in salvation. He is the means of our salvation. Notice verse 7 and 8. He bestowed the riches of His grace on us. God made His grace abound toward us in two ways. One, by redeeming us And the depth of the understanding of you being redeemed is something you should study out as as just a Christian. Study it out in its totality. Understand how rich God's grace is towards you and redeeming you. And then forgiving. Setting aside what you truly deserve. That is an amazing concept where a holy God actually looks at a sinner and says, I'm setting aside what you deserve. Only a loving and merciful and gracious God could do that for us. And then finally, what is… Then also, uh, we understand in Christ, He's revealed God's will to us. Verses 9 and 10… And that understanding that Paul was so thrilled that God would reveal his mystery that he has kept secret for the ages now being revealed through the redemption of Jesus Christ, and that uh, he would give us an inheritance. And then we see the spiritual blessings of the Holy Spirit, verse 13 and 14, and this is where I struggled for years, not being fully secure in my own salvation, not understanding what it meant to be secure And I found that when I was secure in my position in Christ, it gave me much more desire to live for Christ. The role of the Holy Spirit is the guarantor. Look at verse number 13 and 14. And it says, "...in whom ye have also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or the down payment or the guarantee of our inheritance." until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. So here we have again the third praise, which I didn't even make mention of that. There's three times this idea of being praise is being used in this passage. But here, once again, the Holy Spirit of God guarantees that you will appear before Jesus Christ in heaven. And all the blessings that are found in Christ are available to you. I would challenge you to do a deep study into this first chapter of Ephesians because it really will help you to understand your, pos- your position in Christ. And so let me just end with this. What is the last time you blessed or praised God for blessing you? This might just be a good time to just bow your head and say, Lord, it's been a while. I want to praise you for all that you've done for me through salvation. And you all have your own story. And again, if you're not saved, then I would say, make this the day. Don't put it off any longer. Seek out a staff member, faculty member. Go get somewhere quietly. You've probably heard the gospel hundreds of times. Trust the Lord as your Savior. If you're a believer, you have all these spiritual blessings afforded to you. Sorry, I did not go into the detail here, but there's so many wonderful things that I skipped over for the sake of time. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at PCCI.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.